Hello and welcome to the OTP, the one true podcast for fanfiction readers, writers, and lovers. I am, as usual, your host and mod, Enthusiasm Girl. Now, our episode today is one that I have been anticipating for a long time now. One that is incredibly timely for all the Marvel fans out there currently clutching their ticket stubs for Civil War this weekend. Possibly right now, as I am recording this, about to go into the theater. Unless, of course, you live in a non-North American country, in which case I kind of hate you because you have by now already seen it. Uh, This weekend is our two-part Civil War extravaganza, and uh, we're going to be talking in-depth about both Team Steve and Team Tony, giving you a two-part overview of the history of both Steve Rogers and Tony Stark in fandom and fanfiction. This episode is part one, which is Team Steve. Now, it's important that you know we're not arguing in favor of one side or the other here. Some of our contributors, including myself, are actually on kind of both teams, but instead we're giving those of you out there listening who maybe only have the context for one side or the other some insight into the other side's fans, fic tropes, and headcanons. We recorded this a couple of weeks ago, and we get into the ways that Steve Rogers and Captain America fandom have evolved as the Marvel movies have explored his characters and integrated him into the wider MCU back from the days when he only existed in the 1940s as Skinny Steve and a wartime hero in fans' imaginations, through to explorations of him as one of the Avengers leaders and as a man out of time, post-Avengers, and then up through Winter Soldier to now. Uh, We talk about his relationships with Tony and Natasha and Sam Wilson, and of course with Bucky Barnes. Now on Sunday we'll be dropping part two of this series, which is Team Tony, So please look forward to that. It is my way of apologizing for the infrequency with which episodes have been dropping lately, and it's also a great way for you to cap off what is sure to be a really super exciting fandom weekend, just full of squeeing and sitting anxiously in a movie theater seat surrounded by other fans having a fangasm. Uh, So please join me and contributors Lita and Dusty, and we're going to break down why, if you're not a fan already, you should really prepare to leave the theater after Civil War wanting to read and write fic about Steve Rogers and join that fandom. We have Lita and we have Dusty with us for this, and we're going to be talking about Steve Rogers. Um, we are technically on Team Steve, even though some of us may love different characters in the MCU or feel about both of them differently. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about who Steve Rogers is as a character, and we're going to start by talking a little bit about his arc up to this point in the MCU. Uh, so... Uh, Lita, I'll start with you. I just want to ask you before we start, um, when you came into MCU fandom, did you come in through being a fan of Steve Rogers, or did that come later and you were a fan of other properties in the MCU first? No, actually, I absolutely came through Steve Rogers to MCU fandom. Actually, I had been um, out of fandom entirely for about a decade and came back after I saw The Avengers specifically because because of Steve Rogers, because I loved him so much in that movie. And I'd seen Captain America, the first Avenger, 
prior to that, I'd seen all the Iron Man movies, um, but it never really clicked with me until Avengers. So that was definitely my entry point. Yeah, that's kind of my journey as well, actually. Um, so you wouldn't know much necessarily about pre-Avengers fandom, but I'm assuming just by reading fic, you've kind of gotten a sense of what that was like. Yeah, I know a little bit about it because I had one friend who was into it before Avengers, just was into it from Captain America, the first Avenger, but I hadn't looked at any of it myself before then. And Dusty, what about you? What was your journey like in the MCU? Did you come in for Steve or were there other things that drew you in first? I came in for Bucky Barnes, actually. Um, I had been in the Harry Potter fandom before and a lot of my Harry Potter friends were talking about Winter Soldier when it came out. Um, and for some reason I got really excited about Winter Soldier um, and then decided that I absolutely must watch all of the other MC movies in order before watching Winter Soldier. Um, and it was like, I watched them all in two days and then the Monday after that was gone, I insisted that my dad take me to the movies to see Winter Soldier. And we could only find one in a like obscenely long distance you know, away from our home. So we drove for about two hours there, paid a whole bunch for movie tickets because it had, like, it just wasn't showing anymore. And we saw it and it was just us in the theater and it was like the best thing ever. So do you pay a lot of attention to or read a lot of pre-Winter Soldier fic or are you strictly focused on post-Winter Soldier then? Um, I wouldn't say I'm strictly focused on post-Winter Soldier. Um, I think that like the like fan history really interests me and so going back and sort of seeing these fossils of when fandom didn't know Bucky Barnes was coming back for example and seeing what that fic is like really interests me and then you know I can I, I don't know a lot about it because I wasn't there but sort of getting the sense for how um, Bucky and Steve's character evolved uh, post Winter Soldier is really fascinating. Well so let's talk about that let's go back to the beginning and let's talk about the kind of fic that was initially being written, and let's give a little plot drive-by of mm -hmm. phase one of Steve, right? So mm -hmm. that starts with Captain America, which in North America was just called Captain America, but in other parts of the world is called Captain America the First Avenger. And in that movie, it's entirely set in the 1940s. Um, that movie does not touch on the present day at all. Well, the last, like, five seconds of it. Right, so the last five seconds. <laughs> but that doesn't mean, and credit to Marvel for this, that it's not still really connected to the rest of the MCU. Uh, so you have this story about this skinny, tiny guy, uh, which is an amazing effect. They made Chris Evans look so good. I have such a soft spot for skinny Steve. Um, so you have him going and signing up in the war, and they won't let him because of his health, but eventually he becomes a part of this experimental program, and he ends up Captain America. And the first movie is really just the story of his journey to get into the war to begin with, his uh, journey with Peggy Carter, who is his love interest, and his superior, Colonel Phillips, and his Howling Commandos, who are his kind of team of military buddies, uh, and Bucky Barnes, uh, all going to war and fighting against Hitler and literally punching him in the face um, <laughs> in a montage at one point. And eventually, at the end of the movie, he sacrifices himself in what he thinks will be his death to save the world. And the villain of that movie is, of course, the Red Skull, played by Hugo Weaving. 
So that movie came out. It was, I think, a year before The Avengers. It came out the same year as Thor. Um, and from my memory at the time, it was not... I didn't see it in theaters, which I regretted after. I can remember it within fandom it not having an immediate enormous impact. I think people initially felt to me kind of iffy on it. I didn't have a lot of friends saying, oh, go see this, it's the best of the Marvel movies. Uh, it, it made some impact, but I don't know that people were the most excited for Steve Rogers going into the Avengers. Um, like, at the time, how did you feel about the Captain America movie? Lita, we'll start with you. The fandom wasn't nearly as big. I feel like um, post-Avengers, it, it definitely had an evolution, and post-The Winter Soldier had a huge boom for Captain America. I mean, unsurprising, Winter Soldier was a great movie. The What I think is kind of interesting in particular is the, the like, the Bucky and Steve fic that people were writing after the first Avenger is kind of different from what people are writing now after Winter Soldier. Absolutely. And, and we'll get into that. Um, but Dusty, I just want to move to you. I mean, when you saw the first Captain America, was the same level of appeal there when you saw that one as after you saw Winter Soldier? Or what sense did you get from the first Captain yeah. America movie on its own? Um, so I do have to remind you that I watched all of them in two days. And what took me by storm in those sets of movies was actually that The Incredible Hulk got no love. That's like what I was obsessed with. Like it was Bucky and The Incredible Hulk for me. So like I really saw it as The Incredible Hulk and Captain America First Avenger were not getting the love that they deserved. And it broke my heart. It made me really hate Iron Man because I saw it as like Iron Man is getting all the attention that these other great movies and these other great characters should. And why does no one love what I love? Captain America the First Avenger is, I, I agree with you that Incredible Hulk, I think it's somewhat fair that it gets no love because they recast the role and there's reasons. But I still, out of that entire set of Phase 1 movies, as much as I love Iron Man, I think yeah. Captain America the First Avenger is yeah. probably my favorite movie in Phase 1. So the, th- the thing about Captain America the First Avenger is that it's a very comic booky movie in a way that Iron Man is not. Captain America in general is a very comic booky franchise, though. I mean, it, and even watching Winter Soldier, I can remember here I am in the theater sitting and watching this like political thriller that's meant to give off a very 70s kind of paranoia vibe that's very much like the Avengers are in the style of Iron Man. And then in the middle of the movie, boom, talking Cold War era supercomputer. And I literally sat back in my seat and I went, I am watching a comic book movie. I can't believe that they slipped this in here and that it feels so normal and natural for this to be in here. So I think that, yeah, you're right, Lita. I think what I mean in particular, though, is is not just the content, but the way that they filmed it. So, like, mm-hmm. the cuts between scenes are, like, the sliding panel of moving from one panel of comics to the next. And it's, in that sense, it yeah. looks more like a comic book come to life than the other movies, which yeah. are a movie about a comic book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and setting it in the 40s, I think, had a lot to do with that. Mm-hmm. They were really smart to not give you, like, 20 minutes of him in the 40s and then flash forward in that first movie. Mm-hmm. And I think they were really smart to spend as much mm-hmm. time as they did on Skinny Steve, too. Yeah, they really they make you fall in love with him initially and understand his motivations a lot. One of the things about early Captain America fandom or that entire fandom for Steve Rogers, the people who haven't seen the first Avenger are missing out on, 
is there's a lot of skinny Steve fic. There's a lot of kind of pre-serum fic that's about him in the 40s, that's about what his relationships would have been like with Bucky, uh, some of what his relationship would have been like with Peggy, um, looking at that kind of a trope of exploring his life and that dichotomy between then and now, and his relationship with Howard Stark as well, right? Because that was also a smart thing they did, was that you got to see Howard Stark, which is Tony's dad, as this character in the 40s. So there's quite a lot of fic about, even pre-Agent Carter, about Howard Stark and Peggy Carter and Steve. And pre-serum fic, there are 2,380 fics tagged as pre-serum Steve Rogers. So it's one of the top 10 used for him in Marvel fandom. So what is your take on that kind of fic? How much of it have you read? Uh, how do you feel about it as a trope? And Dusty, we'll go to you. I feel really complicated about it is I guess how I would describe it. Um, I really like Skinny Steve's in a, in a lot of ways. I like the disability representation especially. Um, but I at the same time don't really seek it out as much as uh, friends of mine do because it's sort of um, it's kind of too personal in a way. I mean they lock people up in mental institutions in the 40s. I mean they do that today um, but it was definitely much more common. The psychiatric abuse was much worse. And if there's a fic about it, I don't necessarily feel up to reading it. And then if there's a fic that touches on it, but that doesn't say this was a horrible practice, then that makes me really sad and feel icky. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the historical aspect of it is hard for people to pinpoint yeah. when they're writing that kind of fic. Because it can go in two directions, right? You, I have read, and, and I will wreck later, a fic that just went for incredible historical accuracy. That just really dug into the idea of what was that time period like? What would it have been like for him? Um, what horrible things were going on, but what good things were going on? And, and what would his life have been like? And it doesn't shy away from those aspects of it. I think that you're saying are problematic now. There's other fic though that just completely skirts it entirely, which to a degree is also what the movie did and is also what Agent Carter did uh, or does, um, which is this kind of alternate universe 1940s, right? Where you can lift and shift the parts that are fun and comic booky and in the Marvel universe you imagine the 40s were this. And you can remove the stuff that's problematic that you don't want to deal with. I mean, I had that thought watching Agent Carter this season because she, for the first time really in the show, meets an African-American character. And this character is, you know, a doctor, like a scientist, and he and her flirt. And in the entire show, there's only really one other character who says something about that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a very... Gee whiz, wasn't the 40s, leave it to Beaver-esque, fun, kind of a portrayal of the 40s, which you could just, again, say MCU 40s is different mm -hmm. from our 1940s, right? Same as in the first movie, he also has a really integrated biracial team of soldiers mm -hmm. with him. and Multiracial. Kind of blinks an eye. Multiracial, yeah, and nobody blinks an eye at that. Well, they kind of do. I mean, there, there was a couple lines in there about um, Morita, where someone mm. made some comment about, like, oh, they're letting anybody join the army now. And he has the I'm from Fresno line. But, I mean, they're not acknowledging it, obviously, yeah. in a historically mm. accurate way. It's it's the Indiana Jones yeah. version of the past. And I also sure. feel like a lot of skinny Steve fix focus more on homophobia than they do on ableism. And I just don't, 
you know, like as a disabled queer person living today, I really understand that intersectionality in a way that I feel like a lot of a lot of the people writing Steve don't, if that makes sense. And it's disappointing and difficult, you know. I mean, really, Skinny Steve as a character is difficult for me. Yeah, I mean, it. the thing about Steve Rogers is, yeah, there's a lot of internalized homophobia in Steve Rogers' fandom of people wanting to explore that. And again, it's a dichotomy. Mm-hmm. So just like with the 40s, on the one hand, you have people who, if they want to slash ship Steve, are like incredibly hyper aware of the internalized homophobia he would have and the fact that he came from a time period where that's not a thing that would have been allowable um where they overdo that and on the other hand you have people who slash it where he wakes up in the future and goes oh being gay is cool now cool i'm gay and it's literally not addressed at all which is similarly a very problematic thing to do and i sort of feel like there's this big spectrum if you want to read about being gay um you know, like, there's that spectrum where if you want to read about Steve being disabled, there's not much about Steve being disabled in the first place. There's not the same variety and there's not the same amount of fic that specifically deals with disability. No, and and there's not a lot of fic that deals, I think, too, with the realities of his existence at that time that don't relate, again, to internalized homophobia or... There's not a lot of fic about him being poor in the Depression. That's what I was going to say. There's a certain category of, I mean, I, I know I've said before that I'm interested in fic about him having um, been in the mm-hmm. sex work industry during that era, and I know that other people have written fic about that, because it's kind of, you know, if, if you like that kind of stuff in your fic, which I do, then it's the kind of thing you'd be interested in. And it seems like a reasonable yeah, definitely. Um, historical thing that something that he could have done in that time period. He doesn't really have a lot of other marketable skills. He's not able to join the army. He's, you know, he's an artist. Um, I actually did a bunch of research once into male prostitution in New York in the 30s when I was thinking about writing this fic. And it's it's really quite interesting. There was mm-hmm. definitely, it, it, did, it def- definitely existed. It was an entire like industry at the time well the other thing i think that is interesting about that is that people are also of two minds in fic about the purity of steve rogers oh yes yes um and about i think politically what his goodness means like Mm. the idea of to be a good man whether or not that leads him to be more conservative in his viewpoint and be the kind of the family values guy. Like, the language joke mm-hmm. in Age of Ultron is actually kind of hanging a lampshade on that idea that a lot of people assume he is Mr. Values. Like, he is going to treat women super, super respectfully and he's going to want to have marriage before sex and is maybe a virgin. I mean, even Chris Evans has said that his can- head canon of Steve is that he would be somewhat still virginal, right? Well, it's not exactly what he said. That's not exactly what he said, but he did say he thought that maybe Steve was waiting for a woman like Peggy or that it was just something that wasn't on his radar, right? Um, He wouldn't have had time, I think, was what he said. I got to disagree with that. I think he had plenty of time. (laughs) Yeah. Or he wouldn't have had the interest level, like, in him before the serum, right? So that's kind of a question that fans grapple with. But on the one hand, again, people are of two minds. You have people who take it very far, where the other Avengers are constantly kind of tisking of like, oh, Steve's the daddy of, of the group and, and, you know, be polite and respectful around Captain America. And in the 40s, he was super 
living this life where he was just looking for the right woman and and going about his business in a very clean kind of pure lifestyle way and on the other hand you have fans who really are interested in exploring that little bit of like i don't want to say depravity but that little bit of like he's not as pure as people think so there's actually a whole tag on ao3 that there was 153 fixin which is steve rogers is not a virgin i'm gonna look that up right now I should have used. Yeah. I should put that tag on some of the fics that I wrote after Avengers because I specifically wrote an entire fic because I was so annoyed about everybody thinking he was a virgin, and I wrote a fic about here are all these cases where he might have had sex with somebody. Well, not just about him being a virgin or not, too, but about how liberal or conservative mm-hmm. his politics even are. Yeah, I've seen a lot of debate about that on Tumblr. I have not actually. Really? I, I feel like it's obvious. It depends on who you follow on Tumblr, I think. But I've seen some stuff that's on the one hand is arguing for him as this kind of conservative figurehead, right? As he's all about good old fashioned American values. He's all about going back to the time that we used to have. He is all about kind of very conservative things. Belief in God, the red, white, and blue, kind of this idea of the military and how important military service is. Which I think if that to me reads more in the comics sometimes than in the MCU version that you see, mm-hmm. right? But I also think on the other hand you have people who are arguing that no, he's actually incredibly progressive, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, he believes in women's rights clearly based on how he treats women and he has this interracial team in the 40s and he comes into the world now and it's not so much that he sees like a kind of moral rot that has happened, he has really no complaints about that. He's kind of blasé about the way the world has changed. It's really more, um, he's libertarian more than he's conservative, right? Well, I don't even know about that. I mean, libertarian implies fiscally conservative. Well, now it does, but I mean in a, in a, value, in a personal value sense. Like, I think now they're more entwined than they would have been in his time, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I think there are some things he would be more traditional about than others i don't think he would look kindly on like cheating on your significant other i think that would be a big deal for him that's something he wouldn't do and he wouldn't approve of but that's not the same as being like you know like when we say family values right some things are family values and some things are we don't approve of any non-traditional families when I say family values, I mean things like how we feel about, you know, single mothers, how we feel about contraception and the structure of the family. Clearly, he was raised by a single mother, so it wouldn't make any sense for him to have a problem with single mothers. Yeah, that's what I mean, though. I, I think that on the spectrum of kind of his social values, right, people sometimes try to place him on the very conservative end of that. I think part of the reason for that is the um, after Avengers came out and there was this huge Steve and Tony was mm-hmm. such a huge ship at that point and a lot of people were looking for a way to make them more opposites attract what? like if they weren't already but by making him be like conservative and Tony be liberal and then like Tony has to like teach Steve about the modern day and you know I'll teach you what? I, you you were you weren't in the fandom at that time. I thought Tony was conservative. <laughs> I know, right? This is the, this is what happened in the fandom. 
Well, this is the thing that I think fans don't get is that fans, I think, also place Tony way too much on the liberal spectrum when they write him. Absolutely. So it goes both ways because they'll portray Tony as like this carefree, free-spirited, like totally left-wing pacifist now. Right. When he's like big business selling weapons to the military. And even now not selling weapons. Tony is clearly a guy who believes in corporate America. Like he believes in earning money. He's not shy about the money he has. He's probably exploiting tax loopholes. I mean, he's in the 1% and he doesn't seem very ashamed of that fact, right? right? And his belief in the power of the free market and his company to solve world problems, going right back to Ultron, right? Like, Ultron was probably right. not funded by the government. I actually wish there was more Tony being uh, socially conservative yeah. and being homophobic sort of fix out yeah. there. Like, that's what I really felt was lacking when I actually first got into fandom, was that I was reading all these fics where I thought that Tony, like, wasn't categorized well, or that the authors were making a big, missing a big chance for some really interesting conflict. And, like, I guess putting it out to our listeners, if you have any uh, fic where Tony's socially conservative and that examines the team dynamics because of it, send it my way, because I have seriously been looking for years and have very have had very little luck with that. You know, it's interesting, and it's really something that we didn't touch on in our Tony episode, but we maybe should have, which is that fans tend to hand wave away the kind of gross parts of Tony Stark. Like, the way he sleeps around with women and treats them. But those are the interesting parts. Yeah, the, the way he initially felt pre-series about weapons and how, hey, if you carry the biggest stick, you win. And the fact that people like Justin Hammer and these other men in his life, like, and even Obadiah, like, they hate him probably for a reason. Because personally, he does tend to emasculate people. He does tend to step into the room and think he's the best person there. He's an enormous asshole in oh, general. He's an enormous <laughs> asshole. And I think fans just, they tend to shave all of those rough edges off. Like, the only time they come out is in Steve and Tony. So one thing about that is actually they do the, I feel like people do the opposite with Steve. Okay. They do the exact opposite where, for me, like the... The defining trait of Steve in the Avengers that made me love him mm-hmm. so much is how angry he was. He's like, he wakes up in the future and he's just angry at the world for everything. And he's really like, he has all this rage. Even skinny Steve is an angry person. He goes and gets into fights at bars because he's just angry. And then in Fick, it's all like, he's, that doesn't really come out ever. You know, that kind of, that side of him. I think it does, but I think you're right. It comes out in the wrong way. Like, it comes out in a Dom sub thing where he's taking it out on Tony or where the rage is not with the right motivation. So, like, he's angry, but he's angry because um, he's lost everybody. He's angry because he woke up and found out that we dropped nuclear bombs on Japan to win the war. Like, I mean... I feel like fans don't really pin down where that rage comes from, though. Like, I feel like some of them get the rage right... But the idea that he was just as angry when he was skinny Steve, mm-hmm. because it's it's a kind of a, like, rage at the injustice of the world when you're trying to be a good person and the world just mm-hmm. wants to get in your way. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of people almost write him too angry, Lita, sometimes. Really? I haven't seen that. I feel like, I don't know. There's BDSM fic between him and Tony, though, where he's really an asshole. <laughs> 
where he's just mischaracterized as like this ball of rage who just wants to take Tony down because he doesn't like Tony's attitude and ideals. That's true. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about that that side of it, but yeah. Yeah, there's there's quite a few fix where his knee-jerk reaction to Tony Stark is this guy needs to be knocked down a peg and I'm going to do it. That's true. That's true. Right? Um, so let's talk a little bit about Steve and Tony because going into the Avengers coming out, the fandom evolved, right? So uh, suddenly it wasn't just people who were interested in Skinny Steve and the 40s stuff and Peggy Carter and Howard Stark. Suddenly he had woken up in the 21st century. He was a man out of time, which was really fascinating to see people work out in fic. And you had all of these new types of Steve fic that were being written. So you had uh, a lot of fic about, again, Steve Tony being the big pairing, right? Um, That became huge. Uh, It was an opposites attract thing. Um, How do you guys feel about the Steve Tony ship? Dusty, we'll go to you because we heard a little bit about it from Lita. Bored. Bored. <laughs> it's my primary emotion. I don't think it's interesting. I don't think that what most fic writers do with Tony is interesting. And therefore, when they pair him with Steve, I also feel like, you know, they're not doing anything interesting with that as well. And it makes me kind of sad, actually, because I feel like both those characters, like, I definitely feel like there's a fic out there and there's a way to write them out there that I'd really enjoy, but I haven't found it. I've been disappointed. I've been underwhelmed. And really, actually, um, Stark Spangled Banner, uh, Tony, Steve, Bruce, is the only ship, like, I don't know how to put that, but once you had Bruce in, like, <laughs> I'm back 100%. Um, it just really changes the, dyna- the dynamic and brings sort of that, I don't know why. Ah, we were just talking in the last episode about Homestuck, and there's a style of shipping in Homestuck where it's two people who hate each other, and this third person needs to be the intervention person in the relationship. It's sort of like that. It's more like I can see how Tony really cares about Bruce, and Steve really cares about Bruce, and then they each feel that the other one is, like, harmful to Bruce in some way, (laughs) and is, like being mean to Bruce and not doing what Bruce needs and they come together over that. So it's sort of like that, but different. I have a question. So why, and and this probably seems obvious um, to a lot of people, but why after Avengers do you think it was Tony Steve? Why not Steve Thor? Why not um, Steve Bruce? Why why that? I have have no idea. Um, You know, I watched it. I saw that it was really common. I figured out that Steve, like Tony Steve, is not from the comics. I thought it was from the comics originally. I found out it was from the movies. And I was like, this is like the stupidest shit ever. For speaking for myself and some other friends I have from um, when Avengers first came out and that fandom was first getting started and Steve Tony first appeared, mm-hmm. I feel like there were a lot of people, myself included, who came out of the movie thinking, hey, that would be really interesting, like for hate sex. Right? <laughs> Like, that's what we first go looking for. Like, where's the hate sex with Steve and Tony? And there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. But what happened was it gradually morphed from, like, the initial time period of some people writing hate sex into, like, these weird, like, domestic drama romances. They're, like, the super family thing where there are husbands and Spider-Man is their kid. And, like, I don't know where that came from at all. I didn't see that. Like, I saw the movie and I thought, yes, hate sex. 
And I went looking for that fic, and then I got annoyed at the fic because all the fic, not all of it, a large quantity of the Steve Tony fic treats Pepper and Peggy very badly or just ignores them entirely. Yes. And that was really frustrating to me because Tony and Pepper are really great together. And there are plenty of ways you can have Tony have sex with Steve without treating Pepper badly. The same thing with Peggy, though, right? Like when even when you watch Agent Carter, too, that that pairing in canon Mm -hmm. is so central to who Steve is. And the same thing with Pepper. Pepper is not just somebody who Tony hooks up with in the movies. He's not a she's not a passing romantic love interest. Both Peggy and Pepper are completely central to these men's sense of their self-concept right to who they are and what they want and to the point where even years after Mm -hmm. leaving them essentially like she's still incredibly Mm -hmm. important to steve right and i agree with you that it really throws them completely out the window to make this pairing work and i agree with you that the hate sex aspect of it is great right I, I came for the hate sex to Steve Tony, and I still do read a fair amount of that, right? And I also think it's interesting to me, and fans don't explore it enough in that pairing, that Steve knew Tony's dad. Yes. So there is also an entire family dynamic going back years where there might be resentments to Steve from Tony for some stuff with his dad, or maybe Tony knew Peggy growing up and heard stories. And, and there's like a family history there that I get, I, I mean, I have written one Steve Howard fic, and that's also a ship that came out of Captain America, the first Avenger. And that puts a whole different spin on Steve Tony is the like, if Steve had an affair with Tony's dad, it, it makes it really different when you're talking about Steve and Tony hooking up. And does Tony know that Steve maybe had a thing with his dad? I mean, not obviously this is in, in fandom. Canonically, he doesn't have any kind of like romantic relationship with Howard Stark but you know who knows maybe he did right well what gets me about that too is that even if he didn't um like this is also somebody who to Tony may as well be his dad's age which Fick doesn't touch on a lot the other thing that's interesting is that some of that tension between Steve and Tony in the Avengers I think has to do with um Steve was friends with Howard. Like, yeah, he didn't always get along with Howard. And yeah, Howard was, you know, I don't know, a womanizer or something like that. But I think Tony, I think compared to Howard, Steve thinks less of Tony when he first meets him. And that's part of the root of their um, animosity is that it's kind of like, well, your dad was so much better. And why are you like this? Or your dad was my friend. Why are you like this? Yeah, and I think that you can get a sense that Tony picks up on that too, that he's being mm-hmm. measured in his dad's eyes, which is it like through which the eyes of his own. His Tony and his dad have their own whole set of issues. And the right? thing is, that's probably a thing that has happened to Tony his whole life, though, right? As he meets people and there's that comparison to his dad. Sure. Because right? in Iron Man 1, he talks at great length about, well, my dad said this, and it's obvious that he's thinking about that legacy, right? Mm-hmm. But I wanted to talk about this because I brought it up, and especially having Dusty here, it'll be interesting. This idea that fans kind of also defaulted to this almost weird gender binary idea that it's a super family, and you have a mommy, and you have a daddy, and the daddy is Steve, and the mommy is Tony. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which is... 
so interesting to me that you have these two men and they defaulted still fans default still was like one person takes care of them in one way and another person takes care of them in another um what do you think about steve as the daddy of the avengers in that sense dusty i mean i think these sort of gendered ways of taking care of people isn't really true to their characterization i think it really flattens it and it makes it two-dimensional and it doesn't address really interesting parts about makes like people who they are, where it's why does Steve, um, if he wants to take on the more maternal and feminine aspects of taking care of people, why is he drawn to that? And why is Tony, if Tony's drawn to the masculine ways of taking care of people, why is he drawn to those ways? And when you don't bother thinking about it, um, you know, and thinking about it can lead to really interesting subversions. But if you don't even bother thinking about it and dissecting it in the first place, I feel like you just end up with really stale and flat story and characterization um, that could have been so much more and doesn't quite feel quite right because maybe it's not accurate or it's not explained well. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's just a weird dynamic that, that fans settled on of, like, you have yeah. the daddy and you have the mommy, and then you have Clint and Natasha acting like small children. I don't know. I never saw Tony as the the mom in that. I mean, Steve is the team leader. He is a leader. So it makes sense that he would be some kind of, like, I don't know, parental figure in that sense. The, the team fix are always weird, especially when they have stuff like Clint, like, <laughs> hiding on shelves. And, like, That's such a joke. <laughs> like, Natasha sneaking around behind. Like, is she really sneaking around in her own house? Like, Just the fact <laughs> that they all live together and that they would all have a shared floor. And the idea that they would, like, watch Disney movies once a week. And, like, Steve would make everybody <laughs> omelets in the morning. And, like, it's it's so very strange. I love it. It's so strange. <laughs> I think it's I this love whole, its like, strangeness. I don't understand why. I, personally, the whole, like, domestic fluff is not my scene in fandom at all. So I know some people, they want the curtain fic, you know, but I just, the only reason I read any of those, like, domestic Avengers fanfics is because they also involve, like, Avengers <laughs> orgy or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Which is an entire another um, oh, like genre of Avengers. Everyone's Polly because Avengers is also a tag. Those are fun when the yes. Hulk gets involved, like in full Hulk form. So let's talk about some other things that kind of emerged in the wake of Avengers. So you have. Uh, some het pairings for Steve besides Peggy, which wasn't there before. There was fic of him and Beth the Waitress, who is the character who he interacts with for, I think, a total of five seconds in the Avengers, and then a lot of cut scenes. How is that fic? Do you know? Um, It's basically like Steve OC fic, usually, but they just don't want to say OC, so... Because there's nothing to her character, right? It just gives you a jumping off point for he meets this unknown woman. I think it's part of partially... I mean, I haven't read any... Steve slash Beth the Waitress fic, but um, in that one that I wrote that was about like him slash all sorts of random people throughout the years, uh, I did end up with the Waitress because I think it's a good entrance point into Steve in modern mm-hmm. times having modern relationships. Right? Yeah, I think that that's... Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, I still think, like, my whole thing is I still think he had a thing with that blonde fangirl who came up to him after his show in the first Avenger when he's in the Oh, like, she spandex. totally gave him a BJ. She totally... 
But I that's why I'm like, I don't think he's, you know, that innocent, right? But I think this is the same to a certain extent it's like, well, Steve is he's canonically interested in women and so it makes sense that he's met this woman, he flirts with her a little bit. Maybe they're gonna do something else, so why not write a fic about it? But I also definitely see that if you're gonna do like a self insert, the easiest character to do it with is one who doesn't have any canon so you can just make up whatever you want i have to say the fic i'm wrecking is narrated by an oc so i feel like they get a really really bad rap in fandom you know what they do i read when i first came back into avengers fandom most of what i read for the first little while was actually steve rogers oc like that's kind of what i came for so i read some beth the waitress and also steve darcy Uh gets used the same way where these female characters are there to save him in modern times basically like he usually meets them and they break him into modern society and give him a reason to basically feel unfrozen in the 21st century properly what a great story like, I just want to say, I know that there are definitely haters out there. Yeah, well, like, I think it's interesting that people want to write that, right? Like, almost all of the Steve Darcy I ever read was Darcy Lewis being this very 21st century, missing her iPod, like, sass person coming in. And it was like, sass person. well, it was all stuff where, like, Fury assigns Darcy to break Steve into the 21st century. And so she does, and it's them, like, watching movies and her trying to teach him about the modern world, and then it becomes more. There was a lot of Steve O.C. fic like that, too. And there was a lot of fic I also, that I also loved, which is about that gap, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a, there's a lot of fic that is just either humorous or just drabbles. The Steve Rogers versus the 21st century <laughs> stuff. God, that drives me nuts. I gotta say. I wrote a series that's literally called he's, Steve Rogers in the 21st century. He's not Vita. an idiot. <laughs> that, that's the biggest problem I have with these fics is they're like, they've all got no. Steve and he's like, doesn't know what to do with the iPhone and he's like, what is this thing? Is it a paperweight? I'm like, he's not stupid. Like, he's not, He just because he's from the 40s doesn't mean he's mentally your great grandfather or you know i mean even not everyone's grandpa even is like that about modern technology he still has that great brain elasticity yeah i mean he's still he's young he's adaptable he's got super serum super brain to a certain extent right we never talk about that much but he's shown using tablets in the avengers he's shown using technology Mm mm-hmm it, the only time it comes up is that one scene where, where Tony's like, well, how does it look in there? And he's like, I don't know. looks like it uses electricity. And to be honest, like if I looked at that same thing, I wouldn't know what the hell I was looking at either. Also, I think people forget about his sense of humor. Like, yeah. To me, that reads as that a was joke. sarcastic. super sassy and sarcastic. Yeah. But my whole thing about the 21st century stuff is I think you're right about some of it. But I know that the stuff I tried to write and some of the stuff I've read that I love is the stuff that either is historically accurate and really trying to grapple with, like, what would those differences be? Or it's the stuff that takes the approach I did, which is, so if I woke up in the far future, I have an expectation of what the future looks like. So when I open my eyes and there's, like, flying cars and teleporters and new technology, 
that stuff's not going to shock me in the slightest. I'm going to be like, oh, it's the future, of course. Like, this is the future. I've envisioned this. Give me all of the teleporters and, and flying cars, please. But the weird little stuff that I would never in a million years have expected to be different would be the stuff that would throw me. Yeah. So I love fics that are about, like, the fact that the breed of bananas in the 40s that they ate doesn't exist anymore. Or I love fix sure, about him yeah. asking for, like, a can of beer and being really surprised when it's in bottles. Or the fic that I wrote was about him waking up in the 21st century and being super pissed that he couldn't get a cigarette and smoke where he wanted. Because if I woke up tomorrow in the future and they said, hey, you know the Coca-Cola you drank every day? We all find that absolutely really repulsive and disgusting, and you are killing yourself with everyone you drink, and how did you not know that? Jeez, what were you guys in caveman times? Sure. Like, and now you can't drink within 20 meters, I mean 20 feet, feet of any building. Yeah, and now if you drink it around another person, yeah. that person's going to shoot you a dirty look, right? <laughs> like, that kind of stuff to me is, is what was interesting about the 21st century stuff, um, when people actually tried to inject a lot of real history into it. Oh, I was going to circle back around to the um, post-Avengers Steve Rogers het ships mm -hmm. because the one that you didn't mention is Steve and Natasha, yes. which is one of my personal favorites, um, especially with um, the, once the Winter Soldier came out because that's even more Steve and Natasha than Avengers was, but Natasha is very... Um, in some ways similar to Peggy. Mm -hmm. She's really like bold and she's, you know, take care of herself. She's very strong. And I think that's something that Steve likes in women. So I think it, it's a, it's a fairly straightforward move to take him from him and Peggy to him and Natasha. Let's talk about Winter Soldier and the way that it changed the fandom entirely. Because it did, right? So post-Avengers leading up to Winter Soldier, we're talking about a period where if you're looking for Steve Rogers fic, most of what you're going to find is fairly domestic. A lot of what you're going to find is maybe set in the 40s, similar to the first Avenger era fic. And you're going to see a lot of Steve and Tony, right? Um, Winter Soldier comes out and kind of drops a bomb on Captain America fandom in the form of Steve Bucky. Which now it's not like Steve Bucky didn't exist before then, because it definitely did after the first yes, Avenger. But I will tell you that being a fan of the comics, I knew pre Winter Soldier for about a year and a half, two years when they announced it. I knew that it was Bucky was the Winter Soldier, right? So that was no surprise mm -hmm. to me. And knowing their relationship in the comics and knowing the angst in that comic, I can remember reading Steve Tony and reading the odd, like, prediction of when the winter soldier returns and to be honest most of it was how does the winter soldier returning throw a wrench in steve tony like there was a lot of mm -hmm. uh-oh bucky's back and now he's gonna break up steve and tony and they have to weather that i kind of knew in the back of my mind i was like okay so i know what's coming in winter soldier and there's absolutely no way that this fandom isn't entirely Steve Bucky after this. Like, I, I was just, in my head, I was thinking, there's no yeah. way, it's it's too good a dynamic. He's barely in First Avenger, where you don't get a sense of it. But, like, the minute fandom realizes what that relationship is like, it's going to be a big deal. And then it, it was. Like, it came out and it was just crazy. There's 15,000 plus Bucky Steve fix, which is a couple thousand more than the Tony Steve in really less time to get amped up. It's huge, that fandom. So you are uh, a stucky person. 
Dusty? Yes. Yes, I am. All right, so talk to me a little bit about the appeal of Stucky and coming into the fandom and what Stucky fandom looks like. I literally don't know where to start. You're going to need to ask a more specific question. Um, Okay, so when you first came into the fandom, what kind of Stucky fic was predominantly being written? What were some of the tropes of people's approaches to Stucky? Oh, jeez. Like this... Uh, the best friends to lovers dynamic was really popular, um, especially like Winter Soldier meant that more fix from like not as many as first um, Avengers, uh, first Avenger, but a lot of fix from the 40s were being written and then had flashbacks back to the modern day. Um, and that's a really big dynamic about if you wanted to write where their relationship existed in the 40s, you would actually like write scenes from the 40 and then flash to the modern day in a lot of cases which has kind of gone away there's a lot of really interesting stuff about um bucky and steve and how they protect each other and how that dynamics changed um with with what we were talking about of sort of polarized people and polarized issues some people were really um you know like bucky still really feels the need to protect steve even though steve is serumed up and uh, the other version goes that now that Steve is capable of protecting other people, um, he's like just amped up 110%, um, you know, being very protective. Yeah, that all makes sense. I mean, that's kind of the stuff that I was seeing as it was coming out to you. It was a lot of intense kind of showing their relationship in the 40s to now. It was a lot of... Um, Steve finding him and helping him and believing in him and being protective of him and a lot of vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. Because, well, because you see in the movie, right, that Bucky saves Steve ultimately. Yeah. Uh, pulls him from the river. So there's obviously the protective instinct. I feel like it made a lot of people revisit First Avenger. I feel yes. like a ton of fans came to First Avenger who had not bothered with it or who had thought about Bucky but been like, yeah, I don't care. And then they went back and were re-watching those specific scenes with Bucky religiously so that they could word for word just play on all those small interactions in the First Avenger, which was interesting to me. Yeah. Lita, what do you? what's your thoughts on Stucky? Do you read it or? I was into it, <laughs> except... I disliked the it's it's the same problem that I have with Steve Tony is that I felt like a lot of the um, drama and conflict got stripped out so that people could write domestic fluff about them. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of fic about there's a lot of fan art of like Bucky with a man bun making pancakes for Steve (laughs) and like I'm like you know I was personally I was really interested like I loved Captain America the Winter Soldier. I loved him being a human weapon with no like thoughts or feelings of his own being completely brainwashed. Like that's really interesting to me. And that's what I want to see Fick about is like, how did he get turned into this, so this, the winter soldier? How did he get turned into this human weapon? What happened to him? How could he possibly come back from that? And that's where I think Natasha's story is interesting because she's kind of had that same experience mm-hmm. to a certain extent. But yeah, I felt like there was just a lot of a lot of domestic fluff that comes out of Stucky. Are you familiar with the Hydra Trash Party? I was <laughs> just about to bring that up. Yes. So that is the that is the uh, the exception to that. <laughs> here, here is my thing about the Hydra Trash Party. Is okay. Hydra Trash Party first off is right up my alley. One of my kinks is like non con stuff involving Steve. <laughs> 
I like I like like Red Skull Steve Fick. Like I'm really weird. I like seeing him be really messed up. I'm there with you. Uh, but my whole thing was when it first came out, I was like, oh, Hydra Trash Party. This is right up my alley. This is great. And I still love some stuff with Hydra Trash Party with Steve. The problem was is that fandom to me, I got bored of the Bucky Wump. So like at the same time all this domestic fic was coming out, there is a lot of fic, a lot of fic that is just Bucky being traumatized and Steve helping him, right? Like, and it's a lot of wump. And they they take the wump of Winter Soldier and they amp it up to like 50 million where he's, you know, having, being raped by 50 men and it's all very dehumanizing. And <laughs> so as much as I love Hydra Trash Party, I, I like it when it's happening just to Steve, but I almost f- can't read the stuff where it's happening to Bucky because I'm like, oh, poor Bucky. See, my favorite is this, the part where it's happening to Steve and they make Bucky do yeah, it. Yeah, that's I'm I'm that's better about that. <laughs> I'm actually better about that. So I will sometimes read the, those ones. But if it's just more and more and more piling on to Bucky Barnes where he just there's no happiness there. Um, I have no interest. I'm just bored of it. Like I think maybe maybe the difference there is Steve doesn't ever well I haven't read a lot of Hydra Trash Party fic I've only read like a couple of them but thinking just about the character wise I feel like Steve is the kind of character who he's not really Mm -hmm. gonna break like no matter what you throw at him he's gonna suffer through it and it's gonna be terrible but he's not really gonna break and Bucky on the other hand has already been broken as of the Winter Soldier, like they broke him and they made him into something else. And so I don't know that the same thing would happen to Steve. Mm. On the other hand, I was really into all the fix about what if Steve actually is a sleeper agent for the Red Room or the what if Steve became the Winter Soldier kind of fic. Those are all really interesting to me. There's a lot of good Steve Rogers canon divergence because there's a lot of canon divergent questions you can ask, right? So I've read some really good, like, Mm -hmm. what if someone else got the serum? Or I've read some really good, what if things had gone differently? Like, what if Mm -hmm. Bucky hadn't fallen in the ice? What if Steve had fallen in the ice? What if Steve hadn't been allowed to go to war and had stayed Mm -hmm. doing the press stuff? Like, there's just a lot of interesting historical questions along that timeline where you can just ask one simple thing and you can unravel the entire story that's really interesting to me. There are also actually a lot of interesting um, AUs and fusions for Captain America in particular. So my favorite one, a couple friends and I talked about this. I don't know that anyone ever actually wrote a fic about it, but it was the... Um, the Harry Potter universe fusion where the serum is a potion because like, if you think about it, like it's, you know, you have to give it to someone who has to already be a good person and it's going to enhance everything they are. That sounds an awful lot like a potion from Harry Potter, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's lots of, I feel like there's lots of interesting things you can do with it. I saw one where the serum turns Steve into a werewolf. So here's the alternate universe. Yeah, the like werewolf serum instead. I love the idea. And some fans have picked up on this. And it's kind of comic book canon, but not really. That the serum makes Steve immortal. I kind of really like that idea. That you could do future fix where he gets unfrozen again. Or you could do fix where he's just lived to the far future. 
um, it's really interesting to me when I see those. Oh, there uh, there was at least one where the serum does a um, gender change, where the serum turns Stephanie Rogers into Steve Rogers. Yeah, some of the serum ones of what the serum actually did are actually really interesting. Because mm-hmm. I also read a couple where things happened like it didn't work right away. So it's a canon divergence of he stays skinny, yeah. but then like he slowly picks up all these different traits as it goes along, even though nobody thinks it's working. Um, which it's a, it was what you mentioned, Dusty. It was a disability fic that was exploring that slow transition from like having a disability to not. So like day one, suddenly he's not colorblind anymore, and it's like the whole world is in color. And you know, day two, he can run a little longer and faster, and it's it's that kind of thing. There's some really interesting stuff you could do with that, though. I've seen fix where he has he has like breasts that were a side effect of the serum. Or, like, he has weird body modification stuff that he hasn't told anybody about. Mm-hmm. Like, even in the movies when you find out that he can't drink, like, what did the serum really do to him? There could be really mm-hmm. weird side effects that fans are considering all the time that maybe people aren't thinking about. Yeah, there's also the serum's effects once you put it into one of the, like, standard fandom alternate universes. Like, put it in the, the BDSM universe and the serum turns Steve from a sub into a dom. Or put it in, like, the ABO universe and it turns him from an Omega into an Alpha or something like that. Yeah. Or it doesn't and there are consequences that it didn't. Like, he was expecting it to. Or Skinny Steve was already an Alpha and everybody thought he was an Omega and now it's just the perception of him that's changed or things like that. One thing I wish we saw more of that we don't and it surprises me is that you don't get a lot of body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. fix with him. Because, like, that's such a crazy transition. Like, imagine in real life if that happened and your own self-perception of yourself is that you are this little, like, four, four and a half foot guy. He must have run into things so much right after he (laughs) came out of there. And he just must, he just must also look in the mirror and, and what does that feel like, you know? Um, does he still eat the way that he did pre-serum? You know, like, what is his exercise regimen like? Does he even have one? Because does he need one? How much work does the serum do in that sense? You know, like, there's just all these little changes where when you've lived your whole life as this sickly person who mm-hmm. is skinny and small and people perceive you a certain way, and then you wake up and everything about your body is different. I definitely wrote <laughs> one fic about that. <laughs> the relationship of that with the winter soldier potentially is if if the winter soldier was if bucky was turned into the winter soldier via the application of some experimentation that was trying to replicate the serum is what did what are the various ways that this other serum could have affected bucky Mm -hmm. absolutely which is also an interesting sideline to that I don't want to leave him out, so I'm going to stop before we move on. Um, I want to make sure I don't leave this character out because people will call me out on leaving this character out. But I am very, very sad that we are not seeing more, and there's some, but not enough for me, Sam Wilson, Steve Rogers fic. Yes! So let's talk about Sam. There's a good amount of it. There's a good amount. There's a good, not as much as there should be, perhaps. I actually like Sam... Bucky more as a parent. That's an interesting I haven't one. read any of those. One of the Hydra Trash Party fics that I read actually was like a two-chapter one, and the first chapter was all 
you know, Steve being captured and, and brutalized, including by the Winter Soldier, who was still the Winter Soldier, is not, you know, not free yet. And uh, and then the second chapter was Sam doing the comfort part of the hurt comfort. So the second chapter was Steve and Sam. I love the idea of Sam Wilson as this guy who, when he finds out about the Winter Soldier, he's really digging on Steve. And he thinks they had mm-hmm. something, but then the Winter Soldier stuff happens, and now he's, like, the supportive but unrequited love person who is helping Steve to reunite with this guy, even though he's in love with Steve. See, I'm interested in Steve, Sam, Natasha. That, too. Because they're certainly Absolutely. flirting in the movie, too. Sam and Natasha, I mean, a little bit. We've joked on the show before about how when Steve meets Sam, it's like the very definition of a meet cute. Absolutely. It's very so, rom-com. It's very rom-com. And just his willingness to go along with anything Steve says. Mm-hmm. Like, his, Steve shows up at his door and is like, we need your help. And he's like, come on into my home. Here's some pancakes. After knowing you. <laughs> and it just from the moment he meets him, there's like a starry-eyed, this dude has feels for Steve. Like, he's into him from the moment he meets him which is just so charming and i enjoy it so much steve also trusts sam surprising amount for someone he barely knows so that definitely i think goes both ways well and just sam playing the trouble man soundtrack for him in the hospital steve (laughs) waking up and saying on your left like that's pretty you know romantic comedy right there if to the end of the line is the credo of the Stucky Shippers, then on your yep. left is is just such a romantic line that the Sam Steve Shippers have to call their own, right? So heading into Civil War, though, let's talk about this. So how is Steve perceived by fandom going into Civil War? I think fandom is starting to understand his angriness better, like, leading up to it than they have been before, if that makes sense. I mean, there's um, the um, scene in Age of Ultron where he's dreaming and his nightmare is the war is over and he's with Peggy and they're together and there's, like, war isn't happening and he's just lost. And sort of understanding Mm -hmm. that, like, he's not the perfect goody two-shoes, daddy character that people have sort of thought of him as when they haven't been analyzing his character very deeply. There's this greater understanding that not only does he have PTSD, um, but there's a lot of other internal conflicts that have a lot to do with mental illness, but also are sort of greater than that and more personal to him. It's interesting that you bring up that scene I've thought a lot about what the fundamental conflict between Tony and Steve would be that you see throughout Age of Ultron that could, you know, trigger this and what the ideals would be that they would hold that would be that different. And I think that with Steve, um, I think with him and Tony, fundamentally the difference is that Tony wants to hang up the Iron Man suit and be done. Tony wants an end game. Tony wants redemption. He is a character to me who is adding the numbers up in his head and saying, okay, when do I get to be done? When do I get to go back to being the playboy, go back to not worrying about it, go back to Pepper, hang my suits up, and it's over. Because that's what he tried to do in Iron Man 3, mm-hmm. right? 
was say, I'm done, I'm out, the world can take care of itself. That's what he's trying to do with Ultron. He's trying to create something to take over for him so that he can hang his hat up and be done. And I think fundamentally what that nightmare shows you in Age of Ultron is that for Steve, there is no end point. Like, if tomorrow the world was saved and somebody said to Steve Rogers, you're done, we don't need you anymore, he would not know what to do with himself because his identity now is wrapped up in Captain America, in the war, in fighting the good fight. I think him and Tony differ in the sense that Steve doesn't believe in there being shortcuts or an end game. He sees it as until the day I die, I'm always going to have an obligation to protect people and to put myself into that duty. And he he's not doing it for redemption and for a clear end point the way that Tony is, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't think that Steve believes that you can have world peace, right? Like Tony's, you know, that whole thing where he created... Um, Ultron is like he was trying to create world peace or that line he has in was it in Iron Man 2 whatever where he says privatize world peace yeah he thinks he's done it he literally says hey everybody thanks I've privatized world peace and he throws in the peace sign because he thinks it's right. done he thinks it's over right and I think Steve just doesn't believe that that's possible I think that's part of what makes Steve angry is that he wants to believe of in the best in humanity but at the same time he knows that there's always going to be bad people and there's always going to be people who even if they're not bad have differing opinions and then have conflicts and then there's a war which is weird because i think that fans like to paint steve as the idealist and tony as the pragmatist but i think when you look at tony i mean even in iron man 2 when they're trying to explain to him you've built this suit other people are going to get this suit tony is sitting there going no they're not no they're not nobody's got it but me nobody will ever have it but me and they're all years off and we're fine and we'll worry about that when we come to it right Right. Um, and that's why Whiplash kind of really digs into him and seems to hurt him on a personal level is because he really was like, nobody else can get it but me. And with Ultron, you basically see a repeat of Iron Man 2 where he's trying to take that same shortcut. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think Steve also like he, you know, there was clearly when he was growing up, it was all war. Right. I mean, I don't know when he was supposed to be born. I imagine sometime around World War One. I think his birth is put at 1918, because he says that his dad died in the First World War, I think. So he would have had to have been born on the tail end of it. Sure. So, I mean, clearly when he was a kid, he knew all about the Great War, whatever it was called at the time. Mm-hmm. And then World War Two happened. So he's been growing up. He's seen multiple wars, like the war that was supposed to be the big war. Well, guess what? It didn't actually, wasn't actually the last war. Then there's another one. And then he's on the ice and then he comes out of it and it's like, guess what? Everybody's still at war with each other. Like it's been 90 years and we still don't have peace. So I feel like it's kind of, he would be kind of disillusioned by that. Like he thought that after we won World War II, that that would be it. Clearly it wasn't. People didn't do the good things he thought they would. I think that Steve also believes very much that individual actions matter. Like, that at the end of the day, you can't change the greater good. All you can do is be the best individual you can be. And then hopefully your actions will inspire others to be the best individual they can be. So when he sees somebody like Tony who would compromise who he is as an individual for a larger goal, to Steve, that's unimaginable. Because to him, it's you set the example. 
right? You don't tell other people what to do without doing it yourself. You set the example. And if at the end of the day, you can be on your deathbed and know that you did everything you could every day to be a good person, whatever anybody else did doesn't matter almost. I think he's got this in, innate sense of personal responsibility versus someone like Tony who can externalize everything and say, okay, if I make a shitty decision, but it's for the greater good, I'm willing to do that. Yeah, I think if there was world peace, like in general, in terms of like wars and alien attacks and all that other stuff that happens in the Marvel universe, I don't think he would like, you know, go live in a house with a white picket fence with Sam or with Bucky or with Natasha or with whoever, all three of them, Sharon Carter, who's I assume in Civil War. I think he would be like, instead, he would be the local superhero. He'd be like, you know, like Batman or Daredevil or something like he would just be out there stopping muggings because he wouldn't be able to not have that action in his life. Um, so, Dusty, I'll ask you a question, which is a really interesting one to me. Why do you think that in the entire MCU, the Captain America movies are the ones that get to be in between the Avengers with all the other characters? So, so far with Marvel, Iron Man's solo movies are Iron Man movies, right? Thor's solo movies are Thor movies. And why do you think that with Captain America, now that he's in the 21st century, Marvel has chosen to really throw the Captain America movies into that vein of so many other characters besides just being about Steve? Why is he no longer getting kind of pure solo adventures where here's Steve Rogers going off and having a solo adventure? I think because Steve Rogers, it's what you were saying before in terms of um, he believes in sort of being the best person you can be. Um, and that character by itself is not a very interesting character. What makes him interesting and what makes his stories interesting is how he relates to the characters around them, how he judges them, how he forgives them. Um, and how his worldview sort of shifts and changes and the impact he has on others. Um, you know, and you can't really tell the other character's story like that because, yeah, Thor's impact on people isn't like, oh my god, I, I feel this urge to be a better person. It's, that was a weird dude. What's, what's his gig? Why does he want to ride a dog? <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's, interesting that they've they've kind of done that with steve because you're right i mean even chris evans has said captain america as a character in and of himself is not particularly all that interesting because he's so good he's innately just good and and it's really more interesting to see other people react to his goodness which is why civil war and pitting him against tony in that way i think is going to be so fascinating and emotional mm -hmm. right All right, so let's move on and do some fic recs. Uh, so we'll start with you, Lita. What fic rec did you bring about Steve Rogers today? So mine is called Call Them Brothers, and it's by Vong Child. And this fic was written post-Avengers and pre-Winter Soldier. And it is about Steve and Natasha going on a mission to find Bucky. Um... And they basically, it's, it's really well written. It's really good characterization. Um, basically, Steve finds out that Natasha knew Bucky 
And so he's he wants to know well what happened to what happened to him? Where is he? Um, and then she's like, well, the red room was disbanded. I, I don't know. For all I know, he's still like on ice somewhere. And they go traveling around Europe trying to find him um, to get him back, basically. And it's it's kind of Steve Natasha. It's kind of Natasha Bucky. It's kind of Steve Bucky. It's not really like, it's not quite an OT3, but um, it's just really well written. And it's also obviously totally jossed by the Winter Soldier. So it does it does not line up with that continuity at all. It's divergent from um, the first Avengers movie. But I thought it was really good. No, that sounds actually really interesting. Um, and uh, Dusty, what did you bring for us for a fic rec? Mine is references available upon request by Chaya. Um, and this is about, it's what we were talking about before of a female character um, introducing Steve to the modern world. Um, she is assigned by S.H.I.E.L.D. and given this unexpected promotion um, to just catch Steve up on history and I guess science and math and other stuff as well um, and sort of like uh, part of her job that she doesn't really know about and isn't really comfortable with is persuading Steve to trust S.H.I.E.L.D. with her kindness and it's about her observing Steve and his mental health and his character growth um, and also growing as a person herself. Um, and it's not a shippy fic, which I don't know how I feel about that, um, but it is really focused on Steve and his relationship with others and this his relationship with this OC named Violet, who I really like. Awesome. Yeah. I may have read that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. I think I may have. Um, so mine is one I've been wanting to wreck for a while, and it is by Mikey, um, and it is a series called More Man Than You, and this series actually has a full 2,000-word study guide with it, uh, where the person basically gives receipts for all of the historical research that they did in the 1940s to Ooh. accompany the series. Uh, the first part of the series is the fic called More Man Than You, and it takes place in the 40s, and it follows Steve from his high school graduation up through the events of Captain America First Avenger. And it is about him. So, Lita, this goes into everything that we touched on. So it is all about one of his first art jobs is writing um, pornographic cartoons for like a little shady, like they call it like I think a Tijuana booklet or something. Um, so he gets this job drawing porn. He goes to drag clubs and expresses his kind of bisexuality at a time when he doesn't really know to call it bisexuality and uh, starts to experiment. It's about unrequited love for Bucky. It's got him having an affair with Howard, where Howard is closeted, uh, closeted homosexual who is really angry about having to marry a woman and eventually have a kid. And and his desire for Steve is kind of true love, but for Steve, it's just casual sex. That sounds um, great. That does yeah, sound it's good. got him witnessing acts of homophobia that are quite disturbing. At one point, he witnesses someone being beaten to death for being gay. So it's about him really internalizing a lot of that stuff and being very sexual, like extremely. Uh, and again, this is all researched, right? So this is all stuff that could have actually happened. And the second story is called Sins of the Father in the series. It is a flash forward to him waking up 
It's about his interactions with Tony, given his interactions with Howard, as you mentioned, and how that changes how he interacts with Tony. It has a great scene where Coulson and Clint are a couple, and Coulson makes some comment to him about him about sex and then kind of goes, oh, I'm really sorry, Cap. And Cap kind of says, listen, I'm gay and starts to explain his sexual experiences to Clint and Clint kind of covers his ears and is like, no, 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 no. You're Captain America. No. And the second fic is really about him trying to reconcile the many biographies of him and the idea and the concept of Captain America and what it means to people and this expectation that everybody has that he's this pure kind of icon with who he actually was and how do you break that to people and how do you destroy that concept that people have of Captain America, right? And he doesn't want to. So um, it's incredibly interesting. Like, uh, I think the first one in the series is 36,000 words. The second one is 39,000 words and still a WIP. Um, And so it's really worth reading. When I read it, I was seriously blown away. and like I said, the fact that they have receipts and they, they and there's actually a whole disclaimer saying, you know, there's historically accurate language use. <laughs> so if you have an issue with the words that I use, it's, it's kind of like when you go back and read To Kill a Mockingbird, like you have to understand that this is historical language usage. Um, and they say if you're a hardcore shipper, stay away from it because he has sex with a lot of different characters. It's, it's not shippy. That's my favorite kind of shipping. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what was it called again? It's called More Man Than You. Okay. Um, yeah, and that's the name of the series and the first fic in the series. Um, and that is my reckon. It's back from 2013, so it's obviously pre-Winter Soldier. Yeah. Holy crap. The yeah. notes on this thing are so long. Yeah, it's great. Um, oh, my God. I know. They did so much research onto gay life in the 1930s and what kind of clubs he would have gone to and how homosexuals communicated with one another and, like, how he would have met other gay men. It's so fascinating. Um, but, yeah, so that is it. And do we have final thoughts on talking about Steve heading into Civil War? Lita, do you have any final thoughts? Um. Actually, let me phrase it this way. Uh, if there are people listening who haven't seen Captain America First Avenger or been part of Steve Rogers' fandom up to now, and they're going into Civil War as Tony fans, or just because they love the Avengers, um, why would you say they should really embrace Steve as a character and be part of Captain America fandom? I think because Steve is very relatable. Where Tony is the 1%, Steve is definitely the 99%. For all that he's a super-powered superhero, he's much more of an everyman. Um, So I think he's more relatable in that sense to your own experiences. Um, You know, he grew up with a single mom. He grew up poor. He's had to work for things his whole life. He's um, a really hard worker in general. And he's kind of made everything he is, he kind of made himself. Um, I'm, well, you know, he got a serum. Okay. <laughs> other than that, right? He's kind but he of, convinced them to give it to him. He convinced them to give it to him when he was the least likely person to be the person you would give it to. Um, and I think that's just really powerful that he's that kind of character who was able to do so much for himself just on his own sheer strength of will. 
without having help from a lot of other people. I mean, he has help from people here and there along the way, but there's a lot of what he does that's just his own willpower and his own inner strength. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great explanation of what makes him fantastic to read about. Um, Dusty, what would you say to the people who are not fully on board Captain America fandom? Why should they join it? He'll, he makes you want to be a better person. I mean, I don't have much more to add than that. He does make you want to be a better person. He makes you want to be the best you you can be. He believes in you. So that's our show. And thank you so much for listening. Again, another episode is going to drop just in a couple of days on the Sunday about Tony. Um, I do appreciate everyone's kind comments, some of the great iTunes reviews that we've recently gotten. Um, everyone who listens really seems to care a lot about the show, and it means a lot to me. I love putting it together. I hope you love listening to it. I hope you feel like it contributes something meaningful to your life in the world of fan fiction. So thank you so much for anybody who has reached out. Now, we didn't receive really a lot of feedback about Homestuck. I suspect because Homestuck fans were just so wrapped up in just taking in and enjoying its most recent updates and its ending. And so this week, we're going to actually go right to the Dream With questions. And this week's questions will be about both Tony and Steve. Uh, and we're going to start with the most simple question, uh, which will be on the Dream With, which is whose side are you on in Civil War and why? And I do expect that there will be some spoilers there, everyone. Nobody worry about spoiler alerts. Uh, I would suggest avoiding it until you've seen the movie. For me, that means I'm going to have to have somebody else just mod that for me until Saturday, unfortunately. Um, but please do go and check it out and answer that question there. We're also going to be asking, uh, where do you think MCU fandom will go from here? And you can discuss the tropes that you think are about to explode there, the pairings you expect to be huge, all of the resulting fallout. Honestly, I can't wait to come onto the Dream With and see what people think about Civil War and where things are going to go. Uh, specific to Steve, I would love to hear from you some prompts for pre-Civil War Steve Rogers fix you haven't seen yet. Uh, you heard Lita specifically talking about that Harry Potter AU. I thought it would be fun to just get a little mini prompt meme going for those fics you really wish existed, similar to the ones that you heard us share. We're going to put one up for Tony as well, and I will share my favorite prompts in the episode coming up after we release the Tony episode on Sunday. And who knows, Lita and Dusty and I all also write fic. So, if you can come up with some really good ones, maybe one of them, fingers crossed, might actually get written by one of us. Uh, so please check that out. Our Dream With is at otpodcast.dreamwith.org. And you can actually also still find questions from previous episodes as well. And you can provide general feedback on this episode. We'll have a place for that there. Uh, thanks again to everyone for listening, to Lita and Dusty for taking the time out to chat with me. As always, you can also find us on Tumblr as OT Podcast and AO3 as the underscore OTP. All of our fic recs are there. You can also subscribe to our show on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, or Stitcher. We're also hopefully on Google Play, which just began distributing podcasts. So we did submit there. We'll see if we got approved. Uh, thanks again to Peter Tchaikovsky, also known as Rock Paper Cynic, for our theme song and logo. His album, Bork and Telephone, recently came out, so please check him out. And as always, your kink is not my kink, and that's okay. Or in this case, your side in the war is not my side in the war, and that's okay. We don't have to have a war about it. 
Uh, thanks, everyone.